Our text, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 20. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 20, should I say. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 20. We're not going to start reading there. Instead, we're just uh, going to get into catching up from this morning. And then uh, just go on through the rest of the sermon for this evening. But um, that's... Uh, I don't know why I've been doing that lately, but it just seems to work, okay? So that's the way I'm going to do it. Uh, the Lord's been very good to us, but isn't He always? And so He always is. And This gives us a great opportunity to just see what's ahead. Uh, what I want you folks to know, because you're, you're more of a Sunday night crowd, that uh, you're back because you, you're wanting to know more about the Lord. You're wanting to serve the Lord. You want to be equipping yourself, and I know that. And so, you know, we started on these four things about four signs of the rapture. And it actually goes back to faith over, uh, you know, our faith that works, you know. And so, I was wanting you to uh, see what the rapture is pretty near. And that was the purpose for those messages. And in these messages, I'm basically trying to take us to look at our enemies. And so, that's the what's behind it all, and we know we have a very formidable enemy. And it's one that we do not defeat in our own power, in our own strength. And so you need to keep that in mind. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. We'll have a word of prayer, and then we'll get started. The time here, let's see, it says October 10th. Okay. All right, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to once again to go into your word, it is your word, and yet, Lord, even preaching the word, if thy Holy Spirit doesn't work in it and through it, Lord, and then uh, it, it's almost a waste of time, although it's never a waste of time to be in the word of God, but, Lord, our hearts have to be open and allow your spirit to use it. Now, Lord, help me to rightly divide your word tonight and speak the truth in love, but nonetheless, Preach the word as it is to men as they are, and I pray that you would do the work that you plan to do in laying this upon my heart, in Jesus Christ's name, amen. All right, now, this morning, uh, as we were getting started there, is we had looked at our enlistment already. We're enlisted into God's army uh, when we got saved, and yet when you get saved, uh, you might say it's like the old draft. You're drafted. But today we have an enlisting army where you can enlist, but you've got to be saved first. And so uh, you can enlist into God's army. And then we gave you the exhortation. And part of that exhortation is to equip yourselves. Equip yourselves with prayer and with fasting, since these uh, things are necessary if you're going to live a victorious Christian life. Uh, the disciples, we told you about those nine disciples, three were up on the mountain with Jesus, but the other nine that was down at the bottom, they could not cast out a devil, although they had cast out devils and done miracles and, and healed the sick and lepers. They had great things. And yet, this one boy has a devil, and they, the nine of them together cannot cast him out, let alone any one of them. And boy, they're just really concerned about it, and so... Uh, they had faith. There's no doubt they had faith. They're following Jesus. They'd left all to follow him. And yet, yet here's an area of, you might say, a failure. 
And it went back to what the Lord said there, this kind requires a life of praying. In other words, this kind comes not out but by prayer and fasting. And so that's what they were missing out on. And you see, we saw when we looked in Daniel chapter 10, some devils are stronger than other devils. As a matter of fact, we told you from Daniel 10 how an angel is sent from God on the very day that uh, Daniel starts his fast. He's fasting, he's praying, and he goes on for 21 days that way, three full weeks. He's praying, he's fasting, and he's not heard yet. This, this devil finally shows up and he says, Daniel, since the day you started 21 days ago, God heard your prayer then and he sent me. But the prince of the king of, uh, of, of, of Persia hindered me. This angel sent from God on a mission and yet this angel was hindered by a spirit that was more powerful than him. And we told you of Michael the archangel. Even in Jude, the Bible tells us that when he contends with the devil, with Satan himself, he says, the Lord rebuke thee. Because there's a greater authority, there's a greater power in Satan than there were the other angels. And so we know that some devils, some demons, if you want to say it that way, have a greater power than other angels do. Some angels are fallen angels, but the good angels too, they're devils that have a greater power than them. And that's why when this young guy with his uh, boy, with his father, and they're trying to get this devil cast out, he's cast him into fire, he's cast him into water, trying to drown him, just all kind of injury to him. And, and the disciples couldn't do it. Although they had come, done some wonderful work. But, again, we remember Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not cast out devils? Have we not prophesied in thy name and done many wonderful works? Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Now, in the case of Judas, that was true. I never knew you. That doesn't mean, well, yeah, I know who that guy is. I mean, I look down here at Dave, I think that's Dave. Uh, uh, but uh, I'm looking at Dave Smith and said, okay, I know that's Dave Smith. But knowing him is knowing him in a way that, you know, yeah, he'd like, he would not like that. Oh, that's great. In other words, you get to know the person of the individual. And that's how we're to know the Lord. And prayer and fasting, walking with God. And, and we told you how the Lord got up a great while before day to pray. And he really set an example there. But uh, So what about us for this spiritual war warfare? You see, our country is in a moral mess. But the world's that way as well. TV. Education. You heard from... Uh, Brother Randy, just a little while ago. Human genocide is called abortion, but that's what it is. Human genocide. Drugs. Um, just lawlessness everywhere. And it's this kind of a lawless 
society that we see that the Bible told us would prevail in the last days here, even before the rapture would take place. And God wants men and women, people of God, to stand in the gap and make up the hedge, as uh, Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30 says. For back then, they were going through that, and they looked for a man that would stand in the gap and stand, uh, stand in the hedge and so forth, make up the hedge and stand in the gap, but he would not, he could not find one. God could not find one. What a shame on us if God cannot find them among ourselves. And so we saw that it's not that God wanted to destroy them, it seems that God wanted people to be used to bring Israel back to the way of righteousness. And it's up to us as a church, as Christians, as individuals. And the question becomes is, will you stand? Will I stand? We've got to each one ask ourselves that question is, will I stand? Our enemies, and this is really the third point of the message. Brother Randy, I got to the third point already. Okay, moving right along. Our first point, of course, we were looking at enlistment, then we was looking at the exhortation, but now we're looking at our enemies. Our enemies are formidable. Stronger. Stronger than even our faith and gifts. I mean, every one of those nine disciples that couldn't cast out the, the devil out of that one boy, they still had faith. They still had gifts that were given to them of the Lord. They didn't lose them. But you see, they were not growing in their faith. They were not growing in their walk with God. And there are devils that were stronger than what the gift and the faith he gave them because there is a personal responsibility on our own part to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Every Christian has that on them. And it doesn't stop. That is a daily thing throughout our lifetime. And so, uh, what we need to see is that above all, we need to do what the Bible says to stand. Doing all to stand. Now we go to Ephesians chapter 6. And verse 10 through 20. And here he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, keep it in mind his might. Look what I did, man. No, it's his might. If he's not there, your might is nothing in the battle against Satan, even of his weakest ones. Philippians 4.13, great verse, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. All things through Christ. It must be through Christ. If we're going to do all things, if we're going to do the right thing that he would have us to do, it must be through Christ. Don't trust in your own strength and your own power. And so it goes on to verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God. If you leave a part of this armor that he will lay out for us, if you leave out any of it, that could lead to the stronger devil having victory in your life. Now again, 
There were devils that were stronger than the good angels. In other words, there were bad angels, those that fell with Satan, that were stronger than some of the good angels with the Lord. There were levels of them. Satan has his own army. He has it laid out like you'd see an army. And so uh, we have a battle with the devil. And so he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I find that interesting, that word wiles. It comes from the Greek word methodia. We get our word method from it. Basically, it's just look at the strategy. There is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord, but against us, the devil has more wisdom and strategy than what we can do, overcome. That's why our walk must be continual and daily with the Lord. We don't take off time from it. We don't take a vacation from it. We don't leave the responsibility that He's given us in our lives. We have got to be responsible for what He would have us to do. Now this next verse, verse 12, it's going to lay out for us the army, the layout of Satan's army. Satan has an organized army. And so really, what you're seeing here it's in terms of military use. That's actually the way it was being presented here in this passage of a military organization that the devil has of his devils. And so he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The word wrestle there has the idea of hand-to-hand -hand combat. Our hand-to-hand -hand combat, uh, combat is not against brethren that have offended us. It's not against people of this world that have offended us. When we're offended by them, that tells us that if what they've done is wrong, is there are people that we must pray for and seek to reach to turn to the way of righteousness. One of the worst things that you can do in your life as a Christian is hold a grudge and be bitter. You know, it's interesting to me, I've watched over the years of being in ministry here, before here, other places, and just being in ministry. Uh, people like to assume things and say things about others, and they never went to those others to ask about it. They want to follow around. They, they'll, talk, they'll talk to one another about it, and they'll talk about it as if they were an eyewitness and they got all the facts. And Satan will make them feel justified in doing so. His strategy is stronger than their strategy because he's guiding their strategy when their mouth gets in that position. And so we always, always, always must be careful. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. So what do we wrestle against? Principalities. Principalities, you might say they're the generals in Satan's army. The generals. Uh, they remember, uh, we, we remember that all devils, when they were created, they were created good angels. They weren't created devils. God did not create evil. He did not create devils to uh, be devils. No, they, He created angels. 
He did not create men that he could one day send them to hell, that that was his joy. As a matter of fact, he said the hell was for the devil and his angels. He didn't want us to go. That's why Jesus came. Now, there are people of a certain sect that are against that. Philosophy, or they call it a philosophy. No, it's a doctrine. The doctrine is, whosoever will may come. The power of the Lord. Uh, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. The greatest power is with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, these are the principalities that we fight against. They're there, they're the generals. They are the ones that had gifts and powers when they were created. That's why in Daniel 10, that one angel, you know, he says the prince of the king, you know, the prince, and then he said the kings and so forth, withstood him. He's talking about a prince or a king in Satan's army, not the prince and king there. As a matter of fact, there would be other of Satan's devils that would lead the king of Grecia, Alexander the Great, against the Medio Persian Empire, and it would fall. He told Daniel that was going to happen. But at that time, Persia is still in power, and so he's leading that Persian Empire in all evil. And he's trying to prevent this man getting from Daniel. You know, it seems like the devil is just deathly afraid of people who pray and fast and stay true to the Lord, regardless of come what may. It was Daniel that when they made a decree to put any man to death that prayed to anybody except the king, he went to the same spot every day that he'd done all this time, opened those windows like he had always done, and prayed towards Jerusalem. Didn't change a thing. Uh, that's why I wanted Brother Randy a little while ago to talk about this thing with Common Cornhouse and Christian colleges have gone that way. Again, said we're not naming them here. We're not trying to do that tonight. But what I am saying is this. I've, I've seen, we've, we've even had teachers say, you know, we've got to teach children critical thinking. Yeah, we do. We need to teach them to be critical of critical thinking. Ours is to teach them truth. Two plus two is still going to be four no matter when. Okay. So just, just understand, those are things that come out. And, and when you get to there, you have these uh, devils that are going to try to change everything. We don't need critical thinking. We need more understanding of the Word of God, of actual, absolute truth. That's why critical thinking says there are no absolutes, although that's a stupid statement to make because that's an absolute statement. And, and yet, that is to deny God, that is to deny His truth, that is to deny His Word. And if a Christian says that, that's terrible. Well, see, there are Christian colleges, as we said, they were once very fundamental, true to it. Others are, have gone that wrong way, and others are headed that way. That is the deceit of these generals that work in this army. And so, in verse... Uh, 12, we saw principalities. And then the next thing are powers. Powers are the authorities in their area of temptations. Uh, people get addicted 
to whatever you are addicted to. The sin that does so easily beset us, as Hebrews chapter 12 tells us. Have you been there? You say, man, I'm not a drunkard. I, I'm not a drug addict. But I don't know, maybe I'm the only one in here. But I think all of us had, why did I do that again? And then you're telling the Lord, Lord, forgive me. And the next day you get up and you're praying about it and you're saying, Lord, help me. You're getting the scriptures. Lord, I need help. I need equip. And then your mind wanders uh, as you're going through the day and that temptation comes back and you end up doing it. You say, oh, man. Now, what we'd say those temptations are may not be evil in the eyes of men, but it's wrong. And we know it's wrong because we know the Word of God. And see, these guys work in those things, okay? These are powers. They, they have this work. They have this authority to begin to work and do these things. And so, they keep you uh, in a way that you're always falling to the same thing. Again, may not be the pornography. It may not be the uh, things that you've seen others fall to. But it happens on a daily basis. For some people that go out and witness to others, they'll be faithful to church, but they get angry and their mouth becomes filthy. Filthy mouth, cussing, swearing. And there's an authority, a devil, he has that authority because we've allowed him into our life to do that. Yes, we get convicted about it. We say, oh, Lord, we may even at the moment, Lord, forgive me. I shouldn't have allowed that. Why did I react that way? Whatever it is, each have those things going on in their lives. We've always got to be aware of it. And so we have powers. And then against the rulers of the darkness of this world. That darkness of the world, we always think of, say, Las Vegas, or maybe a strip club, maybe a bar. But really, the darkness of this world gets in the church as well. Some pastors are so affected on it that they quit preaching against and naming sin. Now, there are some sins that's safe to name, and some of those are getting scarce now. I mean, uh, well, we preach against homosexuality. We preach against uh, uh, things as abortions I mentioned earlier. Those things are sin. Uh, this, all these genders, that's sin. Okay, now, there are churches now saying, oh, you don't understand the day in which we live. Yes, I do. Lord is coming soon, and they need to get saved. You see, that's what we do understand. They need to be saved. They need to get right, and we don't need to encourage it. Hey, we're going to have a class for transgenders. We're going to have a class for those who get abortions. Yeah, well, I hope that that class is saying, this is wrong, get out of it and stop. We're here to help you stop. If you can't stop, then uh, all I can tell you is God's going to judge. Well, you're not supposed to do that. Why, you're supposed to give them hope, aren't you? And Christ is their hope. Christ doesn't give them hope to continue in sin. He delivers. He's the deliverer. So the darkness of this world. So in a church, yes, preachers will quit 
naming sin. They may speak of justness and standards, but they have long ago abandoned standards of righteousness and holiness. They don't even identify what righteousness and holiness is. Many Christians get caught in this thing in the local churches. I've said this before, but sometimes if you get a new youth director, you get a new principal, you get a new whatever that has a position of some authority. There are going to be these kind of Christians that are being uh, overcome by the rulers of this darkness of the world. Okay, the darkness of this world, those kind of demons are active in those Christians' lives. It's going to say, you've got to go talk to this guy and tell him, you know, we've got to do something about these standards are too high. We've got to change the standards. It's a new age. You know, we're not going to win them if. Uh, no, they already have that in them. You're trying to win them to rock and roll. You're trying to win them to all these things. They already got it in them. Not if we put Jesus' name in it. You know, Jesus rebuked the devil's for saying, He is the Lord Jesus. We know who you are. You are the Messiah. You are the God. No, you, I'm not going to take a witness from you. Jesus doesn't want us using the devil to witness to the world. He doesn't want us teaching small children, middle children, high school children, and our people how to look, act, and talk like the world to be a good Christian. Because that is not possible. That is totally, 100% impossible. And you see someone, by the way, that comes up and says, the standards are too high at our church. Avoid that person. Avoid them. Now, pray for them. They need to get right with God, but pray for them. Because they are far, far, far from the Lord. And so, but they'll speak to others about the changes that we need to make, and it's always towards the carnal. And isn't it, isn't that crazy? That's so wrong. See, what they're doing is they're trying to sanitize carnality. You don't sanitize carnality. It can't be sanitized. It's got to be forsaken. We've got to turn from it. Their favorite word is so often legalistic. I feel like if a Christian has not been called a legalist, he's probably not a fundamental Bible-believing Christian. You know, that's true to the Word. He may be saved, but he's not true to the Word. These standards we get from the Word of God. And there's a reason for every one of them. And so, we realize that they'll call us legalists and everything, and to them... They fear Bible truth much worse than anybody ever feared COVID. They want things to change like the world looks. Uh, COVID came through the world, by the way. These sins, as immodesty and drugs, these apps the kids have on their phone. You know, they have an app now that's out there. They call it uh, Slap a Teacher. I forget the name of the app, but it's Slap a Teacher. I just saw a thing where some girl goes up and to a, a teacher who's a handicapped teacher. 
and just starts plaiting away, slugging her and everything, and, and they had to take her to the hospital. And I was listening to the news reporter saying the school is not uh, certain yet whether to do disciplinary actions to maybe suspend her or expel her. Now, I told a couple of our principals I saw that day, I says, look, somebody does that, they're not only expelled, I'm calling the police and having them arrest them, okay? And, and they're going to be in jail. And when the parent says, how can you do that to a kid? I'm going to say, how can your kid just defy your home and muddy your home by acting that way? So, again, we've got that going on in the world today. The pornography, uh, the adultery, the lust, the social drinking that people think that in churches now, again, that's another part of the work of the rulers of the darkness of this world. Well, social drinking. Again, I know you've heard me use this illustration before. I just don't kill people outright and kill them just to be killing them. I just socially kill them if I think they need it. That's no dumber than social drinking. Okay. So again, that's the way it is. Whether it's adultery, whether it's lust, whether it's social drinking, whether it's drugs, whether it's critical thinking, whether it's the lottery, let alone this uh, going out to, whether it's a, to go out to Las Vegas or just this betting, and all these other circles they have. Then we have spiritual wickedness in high places. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15, we read this. Because it kind of ties in with what I just said about darkness in the church. But this is spiritual wickedness in high places. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel. For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Did he not do that with Eve? Oh, you're not going to surely die. Hey, look, God knows you'll be on his level, and, you know, he wants you down here at this level. He doesn't want you up there at this point, you know. And just, no. And it's good to eat. I mean, it's good to eat. Look, I eat it. It's good. I'm not dead. It's good. Well, you see, that's the way the devil works. Transformed to an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. And that's not good. So, Satan's an angel of light, and he has people, preachers, others, that are so affected by it. How do we see it today? We see it in a thing called ecumenicalism. You know, in 1948, we talk about Israel back in the land, and boy, that was just such a big thing. A lot of prophecy preaching was built on that. What they don't realize, the National Council of Churches also started in 1948. The term New Evangelical, which is really the beginning of a contemporary movement, although they don't realize it was. Those are turned things that happened in 1948, a pivotal year, spiritually, you might say. All those things, but Calvinism, the contemporary movement, uh, even you think about these things, was that not true with Aaron in the wilderness? He made a golden calf. 
but he made it unto Jehovah. Does that make it right? He actually made that. The Bible lets us know he was making the golden calf unto Jehovah. So I guess that meant, meant them dancing, drinking, and uh, taking their clothes off and all that. That must have made it all right because they were doing this to Jehovah. In the mindset of today that's going that contemporary way, that's what they would uh, agree with that. But I don't think God agreed. If it wasn't for Moses interceding, all of them would have been dead. It is turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. In other words, hey, anything goes. We have liberty. We have grace today. We're no longer under the law. Okay, go out and kill people. Thou shalt not kill was under the law, wasn't it? Go out and commit adultery. That was under the law, wasn't it? Well, preacher, you don't understand. Well, under the law, too, it said, Thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. So I guess we need to do away with that, too, don't we? Well, I love your neighbor. See, people say things and don't realize the total ignorance because their critical thinking has taken them that direction, which critical thinking is a part of that as well. And then it goes beyond that. I, I don't mind the preachers, uh, they get invited to, a, you know, a governor's house, a White House, or some other place like that, and the governor praying there for them, but not at the sacrifice of standards, not at the sacrifice of an ecumenical idea. You know what? If I was asked, and they're not going to ask me, don't worry about it, if I was asked to go speak at one of their prayer breakfasts, I'm going to preach the gospel. Okay, I'm going to tell them there is only one way to heaven. See, that's not what they would want. But that is what the Lord would have us to do. And so, the, what they do is they replace the holiness of God with a religious sentimentalism. And that is never, 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 and will never, ever be right. Now, in verse 13, therefore, take unto yourself, uh, he says, take unto yourselves, or make unto your, take unto yourselves the whole armor of God that ye may, may be able to withstand in the evil day, having all done all to stand. Now, I want you to understand, there's a reason he's saying take on the whole armor of God. You're a soldier. When you're on the battlefield, you keep it all on. And right now, we're on a, Battlefield, this is spiritual warfare. Keep it all on. You say, well, why is that? Well, that you may be able to withstand. You attack sin, you attack the devil, you witness the gospel, you try to bring people and rescue the perishing and care for the dying. My friend, I can tell you on the authority of God's word that the devil's going to have a counterattack. He counterattacks. And you must be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. And by the way, I believe we're in an evil day. Withstand. Don't give in to it. Don't compromise. You don't compromise for advancement on your job. You don't compromise because your children are caught up in it. You don't compromise the things of God because that will be disaster 
to your children. You know, if the foundations would be destroyed, the right, uh, what can the righteous do? You've got kids that are wayward, you get people to go wayward, and then you, well, you don't want to lose their friendship, or you don't want to lose that relationship, or whatever it is. And so you compromise those standards, uh, you leave the church, you go to these other places. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit convicts those people, and they come back, and they can't trust what you have, and that's where another group comes in and gets them that also have them deceived. He says, stand therefore, in verse 14, having your loins girt about with truth. What is that truth? Thy word is truth. It's always true. It's absolute. It's never wrong. And having on the uh, breastplate of righteousness. You know, people give different, uh, I guess they just give different definitions of righteousness. But if the Bible depends, uh, really defines something for us, I think it's a good definition, don't you? He said in Deuteronomy 6.25, it shall be your righteousness if you obey these commands. Seems like righteousness is always in line with obeying God in all things whether it's Old Testament, New Testament, it is always obedience unto God. The breastplate of righteousness, because that's going to protect you when the darts of deception are out there that has taken down so many other people. Thy word is truth. So get to know the word of truth. You can't have the breastplate of, uh, that breastplate of righteousness. You can have it if you don't have the Word of God in your heart. You're not thinking on it. You're not in it daily. You're not meditating in it. You can't have that breastplate on. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. When you see after the resurrection in Matthew chapter 28, there's something I've, I've, uh, I've even preached on it before in a couple different places, but three different times the people are told, go ye, go ye. Go and tell. And we still have that commission today. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go. 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 That is what he's given us to do. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In other words, wherever you go, be a witness for the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wherever he leads you in this life, be a witness for the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then he says, above all, usually in the armor, when he says above all, meaning this is the most important part of your armor, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the devil, of the wicked, shall we say. And it's true, the word, the truth, is where we get doctrine. Doctrine, as you get to know the Word of God, see, anything the Word of God teaches is doctrine. Okay? People always think, well, doctrine is, we're talking about omnipotence tonight. Are you a dichotomist? Are you a trichotomist? And we want to get these big words in. Doctrine is anything the Word of God teaches. That's doctrine. Okay, you and I, we are orthodox. 
or we should be. Ortho, set straight, docs, is teaching. We need to have straight teaching from the Word of God. That's why you go to church. That's why you have a personal Bible time every day. And you think on those things because we are going to, we can't be fundamental if we're not going to be biblicists, if we're not going to be orthodox, true to the Word of God. Okay, so we must be true to the Word. And so we can quench the fiery darts of the wicked when he throws those temptations, when he throws those things that like the contemporary movement, like the Calvinist movement, like so many other movements, when those things get thrown at you. Sound doctrine is the shield against all of that. Know your Bible. Know sound doctrine. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. You know, the helmet goes on the head, doesn't it? So know that you're saved. How can you talk to somebody about getting saved if you're not saved yourself? Know that you're saved. Take on you the helmet of salvation. The sword of the Spirit, again, the sword of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is that sword that uses the Word of God to work through you. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. In supplication and prayer? Yeah, always. In the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance. I don't feel like doing it today. I don't feel like going on this way. I, I, you know, hey, persevere. Persevere. Stay in it. Stay with it. And then notice at the end here, verse 19, 20, the apostle says, after saying this to, to Christians, now understand the apostle Paul is writing down every word the Holy Spirit is breathing out to him to write down. It's not his own words. These are the words of the Holy Spirit. And he says, and for me, that utterance, utterance means that power in preaching or teaching, and speaking, witnessing, that does not allow anyone to be indifferent to the Word of God. That utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly. He asked for utterance and boldness. This preacher wants that too. If you want to pray for me specifically, pray that specifically for me. To make known the mystery of the gospel, which is Christ died, was buried, and rose from the dead for us. Their sins can be forgiven. For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein, wherein I speak, boldly as I ought to speak. Even in jail, even in prison, even in beatings, and even in all the things he went through, pray that I'll speak boldly. You take a stand for Christ, Satan will see to it that your faith gets tried to see whether or not you're going to continue to stand. Especially if, if you've got a close family, he'll try to turn family against you. It's one thing after another. Having done all to stand, withstand. Put on the full armor and withstand. Now, we've covered all of that just to get to this point. Is saying the Lord 
is looking for these kind of people in the last days to stand. You heard me say not too long ago, if we want America to be saved, we've got to get Americans saved. We've got to speak up for Christ. We've got to speak up for the Word of God. We've got to stand true. We've got to be a witness to the lost to bring them to Christ. We've got to be a witness to fellow believers and edifier that are getting taken off in so many different directions and they're all wrong. Anytime you go away from the exact Word of God, it's wrong. Every time. In other words, let your heart be bigger for the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ than it is for anything or anyone else because that's the hope that we have to save our families, our churches, our cities and states, our country. So the question, will you stand up for Jesus? Let's bow our heads, please.